Hey, welcome to Conversations on the Co-Mission, a podcast where we're talking about the topics, the trends, and the issues and missions that impact missionaries and the churches that partner with them. My name is Tony Balava. With me today is Stephen Madoff. Well, hey there once again, Tony. It is great to be with you. And let me tell you, I know I say this with almost all of our podcast episodes that I'm pretty excited (laughs) about today's episode, but... I am pretty excited about today's episode. Yeah. Uh, we have with us today uh, our friend and co-worker and semi-boss, the vice mm-hmm. president of uh, BIMI, Dr. J.B. Godfrey. He's, uh, he's accompanying us in the booth today. It's always great to talk to him. The man is a fountain of knowledge and information and stories. The mm. guy's got stories galore. <laughs> you, could, you could kill time listening to stories all day. But we've invited Dr. Godfrey to come in to be uh, a part of our podcast episode today because he has firsthand knowledge about the topic of what we're going to kind of discuss today in our conversation, and that is... Uh, the idea of teaching nationals to give. Dr. Godfrey, we've had you on before, but uh, y- you served the Lord in missions as a missionary in Africa. Mm-hmm. You, you can kind of recap some of that. And, and, and then we've brought you in because you have taught national people to give, those who have means and those who, seemingly the way we would look at it, don't have means. They're poor and such. So why don't you just kind of reintroduce yourself to to those who are listening and then um, just, yeah, let's just touch on this topic. Well, I've been in missions a long time and I've I've loved it. I still love it. And um, 40 years working on the field and 30 of those years in winning people and planting churches in some of the poorest countries in the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, some of the thoughts on giving, I don't know that I had them all when I went to the field, but when you're there and you see people and you uh, experience their sacrifice, sometimes we Americans tend to want to rob them of that joy for them to give mm. and see God bless. The idea of giving. Okay, it's you know, when we go to conferences, I'll say this, you know, we try to encourage church folks to give, give to missions. Sure. Um, and, you know, even here in the States, some pastors struggle with teaching on giving passages because this sort of an awkward thing, potentially, <laughs> some see it as very awkward. It's biblical, though, no mm. matter what. It's yeah. still a biblical principle. What do you do when you're looking at a group of people, you're sent to go minister to them, and then you're going to tell them, hey, give. <laughs> how, do you, yeah. how do you go about doing that? Well, you like, know, <laughs> uh, my, my wife and I, we've been married over 52 years, and before we got married, we had just set our hearts together to serve God. But one of there's, I tell people all the time, there's certain things we've never prayed about. Like we don't get up on Sunday morning and pray, are we going to church today? It's just, mm-hmm. we're Christians, we go to church. Mm-hmm. The same truth about giving. We were poor people. I just got out of the Marine Corps. She grew up in the country. We didn't have any money, but we determined before we ever got married, we've never prayed about, should we tithe or not? Mm-hmm. Or should we give the mission? It's just as normal as going to church and as breathing for the Christians. So if you understand that giving is not for the pastor and the missionary, it's for every Christian, and it's part of the Christian life, why should anyone be embarrassed about teaching not only a biblical truth, but a truth that we open up the windows of heaven to see the blessings of God? 
when we learn how to give. You served in a part of the world where when we when we go to conferences, a lot of us will preach from Second Corinthians 8 and 9 and touch on the Macedonians. And, and a lot of times I will talk about my personal experience growing up in America where grew up in a single fa- uh, single parent home and and honestly there were a lot of times where there was really literally no food in the house and we didn't know where the next meal was going to come from but I always bring it back to this I wasn't like the Macedonians deep trial of <laughs> deep affliction poverty. and deep poverty yeah. but you were you were yeah. in those places where people could probably really identify with that and yet uh, you taught them to give so was that passage helpful for you to say, hey, listen, these people did it, you did. I have the opposite kind of <laughs> <laughs> thing is like, as Americans, even even in my home, I didn't know where the next meal was, but at least I had a roof and a refrigerator to put potential food in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had other missionaries. I asked them, why do you want me to come to your place, which is very poor, mm-hmm. and teach your people about giving? And they would say, they will listen to you because you've lived in poorer places than they live. Mm. And we have, and you know, God calls missionaries to all, to big cities and rich places. But a lot of our experience was in the desert, in in the in Northwest Africa, or down in the jungles in the Congo. Well, in the Congo, they had so much inflation because of the fighting back in our days that overnight our people had no money. If they had money saved, hidden in a box under their bed, tomorrow morning it was worthless because we had like eighteen thousand percent inflation. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so they didn't have money. But the offering took 30 minutes because we had huge big woven baskets at the front of the church, the mm. altar area. And, and when the altar offering started, the, the song leader would stand and say, everybody stand to sing. And the ladies, ladies sat on one side and men on the others. The ladies would come out row by row. And they had their handful of, of uh, cassava. They had eggs. They had bananas. They had mm. pineapple. One of them mm. would come out bringing a, chi- a live chicken, you know, and they would walk over to the front, come around by those baskets and put all that stuff in the baskets. And then when they finished, the children would come. And we taught the, the children, you start young and you give because God blesses those people. Now, that's not really all the reason we give, but mm-hmm. it's, it is true. The mm-hmm. kids would give, and then all the papas, all the men would come out, and they would put in their bananas and their corn and their chicken and their goat. I mean, a live goat. You had so exciting would, surfaces. So <laughs> I would stand up to preach, and it was cluck, 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 cluck. <laughs> but they gave, even though they had no money, they gave mm. or the first fruits, really. Mm-hmm. And people sometimes would ask me, well, then, what did you do with it? Well, several things. The pastors and assistant pastors, workers in the church, we used that to help them feed their families. Hmm. If there was excess, and often there was, we took it to the local market, sold it in the market, Hmm. and that produced a little income. But our people gave, and honestly, I didn't have to beg them to give or browbeat them to give because they understood. And if the missionary and the pastor starts it right, and teaches giving as a biblical truth and as a joy, uh, there's real danger in not teaching them that. Yeah, I know here at BIMI, and I think it's also in coordination with the scriptures, (laughs) that one of the principles of of a church, of a true biblical, you know, New Testament guided church would be the idea of 
self-sustaining, that mm-hmm. they're, they fund themselves, sure. that yeah. it is kind of independent of other means or sources, but in, it is, the people are taking care of that church. And that's a, that's a pretty important principle on which we would hold to and, and try to encourage our missionaries to do that. In some places, like Tony and myself were in first world, him in Quebec and, and then Arizona and myself in Australia. So somewhat easier, I would imagine, somewhat easier to encourage p- folks to give because you knew you weren't taking from their poverty or from their need. But it would have to tug at your heartstrings somewhat <laughs> or, or, or not. I mean, like, like, how is it when you have, you know that these folks don't have much no, and then you're like, hey, folks, we need to give. I agree it's a biblical principle, but is it still hard? <laughs> no, it's hard. I, I, I've been there. I've done it, not only in works that I started, but in later years. Uh, and I, did, I don't know that I wanted to do this. It surprised me when I've been asked by other missionaries, would you come to my place which is very poor, and teach my people to give. And is it hard? And I was telling you guys earlier about being in Central America in churches where they were so poor they couldn't buy tithe envelopes. Mm-hmm. Every family had one envelope, and after they gave on Sunday, and the money was taken out and the envelope was put back to the side, and they would pick up that one envelope. And they wanted me to come down and teach them not only to tithe, but to teach them about missions giving. Mm. And is it hard? Certainly it's hard. However, I am convinced that a strong church will always be the church. It's their church, not an American church. Now, that doesn't mean we missionaries can't help. We do help. And very often the people take up the offering and eventually buy a sack of cement. We make our own block. Maybe they can't afford to buy the tin for the roof, and we may do that. So Mm -hmm. there's a balance. it, it does tug at my heart, and and when I was asked to do it, I thought, why would you even ask me? Um, yeah, when I would give an invitation, again, back in Central America, I would give an invitation about faith, promise, missions, giving. And every every Christian would come to the altar, and what you talk about then tugging at my heart, my <laughs> lack of faith. And now, people, you might wonder, well, what, why do they need to give the missions? They have Bible colleges and Bible institutes, and young people are being called into missions. And in Nicaragua, over on the eastern side in the Mosquito Indian area, where there were no churches hardly, many of our Bible college graduates from the cities are now are going over there to start churches, and they're supported by their own churches in their country. Mm-hmm. It's like that passage where Paul's like, I wasn't wanting them to do this, but they gave themselves up to the... You could just see Paul like, no, folks, keep your money, really, but they wanted to give to the Lord. And I, even it Paul struggled true. with that, yeah. like these folks mm-hmm. in Macedonia giving out of their yeah. poverty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> so it would be a, it'd be very much that that mm-hmm. challenge. We used the, an illustration. Our kids grew up on the mission field, and they grew up in these poor places. So we had, over the years, we had chickens, and we even had a turkey or two, and and uh, and they raised pigeons. And the pigeons, in a way, were almost like pets, but uh, we would eat the pigeons eventually, and then they lay <laughs> eggs. So my kids, when a pigeon, they're sitting on their eggs until they're about ready to hatch. And the kids would go out, and the little pigeon was inside the egg trying to peck its way and get out. And my kids had this temptation to help the little pigeon in there and break the 
egg open and let the pigeon out. But when you do that, that pigeon, God made them that that energy they're exerting to get out develops their wings and all that. And if you crack that shell and let them out before it should happen, they will never fly. They may never live. And we taught our kids, this, this is the principle. God is God all over the world. He's God in a poor country, rich country. And if we think they can't do it without us and our help, we're harming them, not helping mm. them. Mm. So as you mentioned that, it brings to mind that obviously if a missionary is going to teach people to give, they're giving themselves, hopefully, Correct. right? Correct. Mm-hmm. How do you suggest they go about that? Because sometimes they have to be kind of creative, right? I mean, they because do. if they if they tithe off of, off of their support or whatever, that's going to... In, in a case like yours, going to be larger than the whole offering from the entire church. And Very then the right. church has this mentality, well, we just need pastor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're right. You have to be a little creative. And sometimes instead of putting it in the offering, for example, back again, we needed a roof on a, build, a church building. Mm-hmm. Say it's a village church and they didn't have the money to buy the tin to put a roof on it. Mm-hmm. We might do that. Yeah. And it was giving and helping build a church, but we wouldn't actually put it in the offering because you're right, my offering might be more than everybody. Now we had have a, we'd have a thousand people in church. Mm. And but it, you but, could still have a larger offering. But my offering may be large, larger than all of those mm. giving. Yeah. So it's not how much money, mm-hmm. but it's the principle of giving and, and right. learning, trusting God and faith. Yeah. And it's, it's wrong for us Americans to assume that we can have great faith in God, but they can't. Yeah, good point. As we as we talk about this, that's kind of one of those I see a potential pitfall where a missionary isn't wise in in how they channel those funds into the church. Uh, but you mentioned also the responsibility of that local church, no matter where they are, Senegal, or Congo, or Canada, or Australia. Uh, to have a part in the Great Commission and carry out the Great Commission through their finances as well. I have heard, I have heard missionaries say this to me, we don't give to missions because we're a missions work, so we just channel it right back into our work. And and I've asked them, what about the rest of the world? Mm -hmm. How did you approach that? I I think that's wrong. I think that every church should be taught to tithe and to give above their tithe from the first day you have an organized church. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe even previous to that, if you got people that have been saved and you're mm-hmm. working on organizing mm-hmm. it, I don't wait six months or six years to teach people to give. Mm-hmm. Now, again, their giving may be such a small amount that we would think that's really nothing, but for them it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that the missionary needs to be convinced if this is God's way. We do want our churches to be self-supporting. What if the missionary dies? Mm-hmm. What if there's, there's right. a revolution in the country and the missionary has to leave? If they're depending totally on the missionary, there will be nothing left after the missionary leaves. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's certainly not the way it ought to be. A missionary should be looking long-term, looking down the road. What if I'm not here? And uh, so I think from the first, we need to teach them to tithe. I think also we need to teach them to give a, beyond the tithe. And let me just say that not only what I'm talking about is, is theory, uh, it's happening. We're sending missionaries out now. I say we, I'm talking about Bible-believing churches. We're sending missionaries out all over the world that have never been to American race support in America. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of Filipino missionaries 
because the Filipino churches are practicing grace giving, and they actually started a independent Baptist mission agency, and they have missionaries in Zambia and Uganda and Haiti and Bangladesh and, and some places where we American missionaries could never go. And they also teach their people to give. And I've got a, a dear friend in the Philippines whose pastors a great church there. And if somebody's called to preach out of their church, they will help them go plant a new church. They'll help them financially for two years. But at the end of the two years, they expect them to have that church. They've taught them to give, and it can go right on. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say if it's in a city area and it takes a little more than two years, they might extend that. Mm-hmm. But they've got the principle of giving, and I've seen the same thing in Africa, the same thing in Central America. So we Americans have to be careful that we just we don't think that we have the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the things with when teaching the church in Australia to give. Now, of course, first world, people have means. But there's still, there's a battle between every person about giving of your own finances and resources for, towards the Lord as an offering and sacrifice and things of that nature. I, I remember the idea that when I challenged them, like, I'm not going to pay the, the, the rent. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on you all now. When the church sure. got to a position where, mm-hmm. and it was like, look, I'm going to stretch you all about giving to pay for the rent. And, and, and if there, was, there was some nervousness by some folks, but there was also an excitement. And I could I could see that excitement that they had about taking that ownership. Sure. That yeah. the missionary was no longer funding the rent, but that they as a church were funding the rent. Sure. And and I just remember the business meeting where we discussed that. Just that 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 spirit of you could see it was growing them. You could see it was growing them and stretching them and and it was a step of faith, but it was a step of also responsibility that they took towards the church. And I love that, and I and, and I think that was a good anchor for them. And so, it there there are times though, and, and I've heard the stories. I've not, have not experienced this, where the missionary is like, "Look, if you all don't pay the bill for the lights, I'm not I'm not going to do it." And next thing you know, they show up for service, and there's no lights there's no on, lights, and, yeah. and things. Yeah. That may be an old wives' tale that gets passed on as legend, but. There is a truth to that, though. Sure. There is a truth when uh, stretching them to that point. But let me ask you, go bigger scale. Okay, we've talked about kind of giving to missions, giving to church, just offerings. But what about when it comes to buildings? There are buildings all over this world that I, I would say are funded by American churches, by and large. Uh, what about that? What about if you have a place, okay, in Senegal or Zaire or the Congo or, or some place, third world, Haiti? Mm-hmm. You know, poorest poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Then, uh, and this side, then you got like Papua New Guinea, poorest country on the Eastern Hemisphere. All right, so, how are those buildings going to get built? Do they? Do they how, what's the balance? All right, mo- many places in the world, and I've seen this over and over again. Uh, they go out to a village or on the edge of the town, and they build a building just like they would build their own home. Now, in the Congo, it it was probably. Uh, Mud block, no cement, sun-dried mud. As long as you put a roof over it, uh, it'll stay. It'll stay as long as it doesn't get wet. If it gets rained on too heavily, it'll melt. But they, <laughs> like our people, and we had a church again. I already mentioned we had a church of a with a thousand people coming. But Sunday after church, 
we went out. We all of us church members went out to the back of the church where all week we had men making mud block. Well, actually, those block had cement in it because I would buy the cement, and we'd bring it out there. We'd drive down off the mountain, dig sand out of the river bottom, take the sand up there, haul barrels of water from the river up the mountain, and then we would make block and let them dry out in the back of the church. And then Sunday morning, our members would go out, everybody put a block on their head and walk down to where we were going <laughs> to put up another building. But see, they appreciate that. That's their building. Mm-hmm. So often they start with a simple, it may be bamboo. Mm-hmm. It may just be stick and mud. But then as they as they give and they can buy cement, then they start making making their block and and they can do it and they not only put the money into it they put the energy into it and it's their church now i will say that's a little harder in the big city but at the same time in a big city you got people who have more income Mm -hmm. but starting out in the city is is more difficult because there you may need the building more there because people will say if it's in your house it's not really a church yeah as you speak about that, it it sound it, it reminds me of kind of a a trap that some missionaries get get into. I think of their own making, and that is when we when a missionary writes a prayer letter, they want to give a glowing report. They want to send back a picture of this beautiful American style building, yeah. and our goal is should not be to be building American churches on the foreign field, um, but. I've had these. I've had conversations with missionaries who have said, "I don't want to teach my people to give because if I talk about money, <laughs> they're they're going to get mad and leave, and that means I can't write this really good prayer letter. Or if I don't use American money to build this building to look really super, I don't want to spend back a picture of a mud hut because <laughs> that doesn't produce a good prayer letter." And then I lose support on this side. And they see it as a double whammy and they kind of have this really, they've entrapped themselves and they've, yep. and they've handicapped their people as well. What would you say to those missionaries? I, w- I would say to those missionaries, they're underestimating American Christians. I think American Christians, they're certainly not ignorant. Mm-hmm. And they understand the Bible principle of missions is self-governing, self-supporting, self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And that's what we all say but then when we get out there, we don't we don't want to practice that. <laughs> and and a missionary is just that temptation. And believe me, I've had it too. I could write a prayer letter back to America, and I could raise this money. And if I raise the money, then the people won't have to. But that's not helping your people. That's hurting your people. I think. Yeah. There there's that idea that you know the nickname that that people come up with missionaries as moochinaries, Correct. you know, always mm-hmm. mooching money off of churches. And and I can understand that when they're always asking for things for themselves. I need a computer. I need a car. I need that idea. Mm-hmm. But people do, churches do like giving to projects on the field, <clears throat> uh, building a building in Costa Rica sure. or buying a bus in Tanzania or something of that nature. So what is the the balance it, like should a church in in Tanzania wait the three years until they can save up that money four years five years like a church in America would in a sense because churches in America don't go around to other churches going hey we want to buy a bus no. can you fund our bus buying but missionaries do that so wh- what is the 
what what, what counsel advice thoughts would you have on that? Um, <clears throat> there's no perfect answer to that. I just think the missionary has to be patient and spend a lot of time with God <clears throat> and thinking through, if I do this, what are the results? Or if I teach them to wait and to give, what, what are the results? So I, I think the missionary always needs to look long-term rather than tomorrow. But most of us don't like to think long-term. We want to do it <laughs> right now. As Brother Bulava says, the prayer letter, yeah. it's the missionary who's in a place that's difficult, like up in the Sahara in a Muslim place, and you're not seeing a lot of people saved. It's hard to write a prayer letter and be exciting. I've had two people saved this last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then Brother Ron Bragg and I, who worked together for so many years, we used to say, Dear Lord, why didn't you call us to the Ivory Coast? <laughs> I mean, they're seeing two churches started yeah. in a year, and mm-hmm. here we are. But uh, God calls you to a certain place, and you have to you have to accept that and 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 uh, rejoice in it. Mm-hmm. And again, I think past. I don't think I know pastors understand there is a difference between French speaking. Uh, Canada, mm-hmm. it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, it's it's as difficult in some ways. Maybe as working out in the Sahara or working in modern day Europe, but then the missionary goes to the Philippines or to Central America or to Uganda, mm-hmm. where they can see somebody. But God knows all that. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, the Great Commission did not say go into all the easy places in the world. <laughs> Yeah. It says go in all the world and preach the gospel. So the hard places, the easy places. Now, the place where you're not seeing a lot of people saved and you just have a small group, that is the really difficult place with the giving thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And you may be in a right. place like that. for, You may be there for years before you have mm-hmm. an organized church. Mm-hmm. And then you just have to trust God and keep at it and, and the fruit does come. Yeah, Yeah, and when you have that, hard place in that small group um i think we go back to the american mindset that we spoke about before we started recording and to steal a phrase from a movie if you build it they will come and so the temptation is there to get all this money to build this building because if i have a building that makes me legitimate and now they will show up in droves and (laughs) and come but that isn't always the case is it no but we did have in 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 the Congo, it was Zaire in my day, in Zaire, a few African nationals who would come, and they wanted us to raise the money and build a big fancy church on the main boulevard in the capital city so they could have a church. But we all know that you can have the biggest building in the capital, and it's not a church mm-hmm. because the yeah. church is people. We reach people, mm-hmm. then comes the building, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Well, one of our, I think, ultimate goals that you hear missionaries say is basically we're trying to work ourselves out of a job, right? We want yes. to turn this over to a national pastor. If that missionary doesn't lay the groundwork, that national pastor is going to be the one who suffers the consequences. That's right. That's right. So, so um, 
Boy, there is, there's, uh, we're already out of time, and that's amazing because there's a lot of, a lot more questions I have uh, that I want to, I want to bring to this conversation. But uh, maybe another time in the future. Uh, thank you, Dr. Godfrey, for taking the time to be with us today. I'm sure that this has been a help to you who have uh, listened and uh, are listening. We appreciate the time that you spend with us each week. Uh, we look forward to the next time we're together. If you have questions, um, if you want to connect with us, uh, as always, my uh, contacts, Stephen's contacts will be in the show notes. We'll add uh, Dr. Godfrey's email address there so that you can reach out to him as well. And uh, until next week, have a great week in the Lord. Thank you.